You already heard from one Danny, Brian Danny, who did an awesome job. And this is older brother Benjamin Danny, and he's going to give us the word today. We love you, Ben. It's all yours. All right, we good? I know what you're thinking. Is that a new shirt? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I get very stuck on shirts, you know. I find a shirt I like, and I wear it till it dies, and I have to buy another one. It's a sad day. No, I'm just kidding. All right, I was going to try to undo all the heresy Buddy presented to you last week. <laughs> I just assumed he would. Then I texted him. I said, hey, man, what did you preach on? Because I wasn't here. Um, and he told me what he preached on. I was like, man, that's great. That's because that's, it parallels very good with what I'm talking about. So basically it's the same topic, but just in another section of scripture. So, uh, I mean, I, I always think anytime you get in the word, you're in for a treat. But, you know, you know, I went to Bible college and unfortunately, uh, you know, I, I went to a, a very staunch independent Baptist Bible college. And, and we, while I was there, the environment was always presented, you know, to us that we are, it's all about context and it's all about the word of God. It's getting deep into the word of God. And you, you get told this a lot. So when you leave Bible college, just because you hear these, these things, you think you leave there and somehow you've, you know some things about scripture that other people are missing and that you're... You have it together, and when people are not like you, then they're somehow, they're flawed in their theology and their thinking and whatever it is. And, of course, all the, this thinking is it's, it's bred into you in, in a denominational type of a pattern, right? So, and I, you know, I was in full-time ministry for, by the time I was in college, and then I got out for about nine years. Man, it was probably about, I don't know, 15 years of just serving, 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 doing, doing. And then, man, the Lord just rocked my world. And, and when I say he rocked it, I mean he rocked it. It was, if you've ever been in ministry and church, and then finally the Lord shows you something, and it was like the Father said, hey, here you go. You know what I mean? And you get it, and you're like, where has this been this whole time? Um, and that's how it was for me, and it, it still is, you know, like that for me. It it. You know, when you come to know your identity, I knew I got saved when I was 14, but when I come to really understand my identity and started to grasp the exchange life, that, that his life, you know, I, I died with Christ, then it was almost like getting saved again. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. And I've talked to other people, said the same thing, that they began to understand their identity, and, and it, was like, it was like the Bible became fresh, and it was new, and... And, um, and what I'm going to talk to you about this morning was when I first ran across this in Scripture, my thought was, this has not been there the whole time. Has this been here the whole time? That was my thought. And, and I'm a type of person that, you know, I'm a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I'm a brick on brick. That's how I, that's how I think. You know, I'm a carpenter, cabinet maker. And I approach a lot of things the same way. If something goes wrong, I want to know where it went wrong. Why is this? And, and when I really, and we're going to be talking about, Gala we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, by the way. So if you've got your phone, you say turn your Bibles. And you hear all the pages going, you know what I mean? You don't hear that anymore. 
you know, so, but it's all good. I don't care. <laughs> Just find it in whatever you're going to find it. Find it. And I do think it's important, too, to, I, I got a lot of scripture we're going through. I do think it's important for you to see it and read it yourself. And by all means, do not leave here formulating a doctrine on anything that I just say by myself. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm guilty of that. And I think the reason why in Galatians I overlooked some of the key teachings in it was because I just adopted an overall thinking of what was Paul talking about in the book of Galatians. Now, what I was pretty much formally taught was Paul was straightening out one, he was straightening out really one main topic in the church in Galatia, and that was the, that the Judaizers were coming in and they were adding works to salvation. And that was what Paul's number one focus was, is that he was trying to dispel from them the idea that you have to add works to your salvation. So when I would go to the book of Galatians and I would read it, or if I was trying to teach a topic or get on a series, I would visit those spots in Galatians where Paul would talk about these things, and, and then I would just kind of carry on, just like the book of Romans. The book of Romans, when I finally read through the book of Romans, wearing the new covenant lenses, and, and man, it just is like, you know what? I used to just go to Romans just to see people saved. You know what I mean? Take them down the old Romans road, brother. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what I would do. And, but there was so much more, so much to the point to where if I was to pick one book, if you said, man, if you could have one book, to, to have from the Bible, which book would it, would, if you had to use and minister to give to people, it would be the book of Romans. Because Paul was so thorough about where it went wrong, how God made it right, and then what are we going to do now that we're living in this new life, right? So, but anyway, but we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, and Paul brings out a tremendous, you know what I mean, story in here. To you know, Paul brings out a lot of, of tremendous things in Galatians. But let me read because I'll just you know I'll just talk forever if we don't. But anyway, Galatians chapter four, and I'm gonna start in verse 21, and we're gonna read to verse 31. That's a lot of scripture, and no, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Let's let's read through it here. He says, "Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law?" Think about that, question mark. That's how he starts it off. He says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he that of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two what? Covenants. These are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai. Now, that does sound familiar from last week, doesn't it? Right? Which gendereth bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which, how, which now is, is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. 
But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scriptures? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are children, uh, uh, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the what? Free. And let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful spirit. And we're thankful for these truths that we have. Lord, I have found myself often these past few months trying to lean on hope, finding hope in what would be our political environment or even financially or even just morally. But Lord, I, I, I've come to understand that there's only hope in you. you. You said in this world, we will have tribulation. And Father, I, I, I don't know why I get surprised at that, but often I do. But Father, may these truths that we're seeing this morning remind us that there is hope in you regardless of how we feel, regardless of our track record, regardless of what we think the future holds for us, Lord, what is being said this morning, what you have showed in Scripture is really all that matters in the area of peace and of hope. Lord, I pray that you give me clarity. And Father, may we leave here celebrating and rejoicing on a wonderful work that you have done in your Son, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you know, Paul, one thing I love about the ministry of Paul and what we see is he would visit churches and he was often trying to sort out problems. I mean, let's just be honest. Not that we have any problems here or would ever have any problems or have ever had problems. Do you have problems? I don't have any problems. But anyway, um, but Paul, and I, you know, and I do appreciate that in Scripture, you know, I, lo I love the fact when Paul says, look, I fully intended to come see you, but it just didn't work out. You know what I mean? The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I was going to come to you, but I got arrested. And if Justin said, look, look, guys, I'm sorry, Justin's not here. He got arrested. You know what I mean? Would y'all say, that's my preacher right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my, what did he get arrested for? It don't matter. Just... You know what I mean? Persecution, that's all. We'll just leave it at that. But, uh, but anyway. But I love the fact that Paul, you know, he, you know, he was very... We see in Scripture a lot of times things didn't quite work out. We find that he goes to churches and he's trying to kind of straighten some things out. And I love the fact that what he would always do is he would always go back to the gospel. And he would say, okay, because... Because Paul understood, just like we need to understand, if anything goes wrong, go back to the very source of how do we get it right again. I mean, it's not really just about denominational stuff. I mean, if another, if another denomination asked me to come preach for them, I would. I would just look at that like God invited me to be there and I'm going to preach what I'm always going to preach. But, you know, you know he, Paul would go and he would get them really quick, says, all right, let's go back to what the gospel's all about. And then he would start laying that foundation. 
He would, start, he would start teaching them again and going back to the very simple things. I loved in 2 Corinthians, for example, when Paul... Or let me say this. A lot of times Paul, too, would also go back to the Old Covenant. He would go back to the Old Covenant and he'd bring out a truth because that's exactly what the, the New Covenant is about. When you understand the New Covenant and you get your New Covenant goggles on and you go back and you look at the Old Covenant, all this stuff starts to come to life like we saw here in Galatians 4. I love in, in, in what, he, what he does in 2 Corinthians when he goes to them and he says, look, he's, I worry that, you know, when I leave here, I got you all straightened out. 1 Corinthians, he was teaching them, got them all straightened out. 2 Corinthians, he was getting ready to leave. And he says, look, I worry that when I leave, somebody's going to come in here like the serpent and beguile you again and tell you there's another gospel. He says, which there is no other gospel. He says, I worry they're going to remove you. And I love the terminology. He says, the simplicity that we have in Christ Jesus. The simplicity. I look at people every day and even my own life. If you were to talk about your relationship with God and it was a social media platform, it would have to be, how is your relationship with God? It's complicated. You know what I mean? It's complicated. How often we have complicated or we've allowed our, our relationship with the Father to be more complicated than it really needs to be. It doesn't need to be that complicated. But it's amazing how quickly it does. But just as the serpent made Eve question her created identities, other will come along and make you question your recreated identity. So he had to get all that straightened out. When it comes to our... Oh, let me say here. Likewise, Paul is trying to plead with the believers of Galatia in regard to a believer's relationship with law. It goes far beyond just the, there in Galatia, them adding works to salvation. He was laying the foundation for us to understand what is, our, what is the believer's relationship to law now that you've trusted Christ and you've entered this new covenant. Paul came and preached the gospel People got saved, and in Paul's absence, other came in and said, it's complicated. Preachers started coming to Galatia with sermons on dedication, devotion, through circumcision. Now, that's dedication right there. I don't know. They were stuck on that one. They, I, guess they, I guess they picked the one that seemed the most complicated and said, let's go with this one. I'm sure they were accused of trying to take the easy way. And if they were going to please God, they needed to stay with the old paths. I'm sure they were enjoying their freedom, enjoying what Paul come and preach, the freedom in Christ. And the next thing you know, you have those that come in and say, oh, no, 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 uh-uh. For years and generations, we, were, we, we practiced circumcision. You ain't getting off that easy, buster. That's it. Now, let me, this is a side note, and please, this is a rabbit trail, but I don't want to go too far down this trail. But let me say as a side note here, what I have found, my coming to understand my identity in Christ and, and the new covenant, the relationships that get strained immediately are your religious friends, isn't it? I mean, immediately. The moment you start talking about freedom, and if you weren't somebody that just got off methamphetamines, they don't want to hear it. 
Because freedom's only allowed for those that are heavily addicted, you see. But when you start talking about freedom as a believer, if you're not as dedicated in an area as they are dedicated in, then you're a threat, you see. And they don't want to hear about freedom in Christ. And instantly, your religious friends, they have an issue with these things. And I, and I used to look at it like, man, I'm going to go talk about Jesus. You start talking about Jesus, like, I don't want to talk about that Jesus. You know, I don't want to talk about that one. I mean, let's just, let's, 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 let's talk about a little bit of Moses and a little bit of Jesus. And let's really complain about the political environment for a while. That's the kind of gospel people want to talk about. But let me go on here. That's paths over with here. How can you expect God to bless you if you're not willing to follow through with circumcision? They were probably saying. Things have not changed much today. They haven't. In Paul's writing to Galatia, he was trying to deal with those who were frustrating the grace of God by trying to reestablish law. And in chapter 4, he references the Old Testament to bring to light a powerful truth in regards to the covenants. Now, by the way, I don't know if, if you're familiar with this, but there is growing very heavily a Hebrew movement in, in the United States and across the world right now. I mean, it's, it's growing by leaps and bounds. And the reason it is is because people are asking the question. They're like, you know what? Maybe God would bless us more if we were really studying law, if we were really practicing law. Maybe, maybe God could, and you have right now people that are trying to add more and more, and they're trying, to, uh, the, uh, they're trying to bring all the customs back in, and they are trying right now to, to practice the Hebrew law. Let me say this. I propose to you that the same problem that Paul dealt with then is the same problem the church is dealing with today, and that is a covenant issue. A covenant issue. Most people that are in church today have little to no understanding of an old or new covenant and therefore have no biblical foundation to refute those who try to introduce law living. You know what I do when people come to me with law living? I just crank it up. I was like, okay, well, why, why'd you stop there? Why don't you just do this? You know, and, and they say, I never thought about that. You know what I mean? Just keep cranking it up till finally they buckle under the pressure of law. That's what it's meant to do. To prove Paul's point about the covenants, he brings a powerful truth about Abraham. Now, we consider Galatians chapter 4, we can understand that the old and new covenant represents they no longer need to be a mystery to us. I love what Paul, number one is this, Paul's law question. I love this question. Galatians 4.21, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Do you not hear what the law is telling you to do? This question puts the entire chapter into context. And Paul's concerns of those who were trying to put themselves under the law. The problem, may I say this, ladies and gentlemen, is not law in of itself. No. Who... who who, uh, uh, who introduced the law? Who allowed the law to come into practice? God did, right? He handed it to Moses. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? That's right. So, the problem 
is not law. But us trying to put ourselves under law. Or us trying to live, now let me say this, live from law. That's the problem. We go to law, we go to a system that is dead, and we expect it to give us life. Even, even in Hebrews, he referred to the works of the high priest then as being dead works. Because there's no life in law. Matter of fact, law was introduced that it will kill, we find Paul saying. It is the ministry of death. I mean, you, you, you come to the altar and you, you, you dedicate yourself and you leave. And guess what runs you over? Law. Dead. How many times have you, have you rededicated yourself and rededicated your And you go, this time I'm really going to do it. This time I'm, I'm going I'm to really make it happen. I'm going to buckle down this time. And I took notes there to preach it. And, and I'm really going to make it happen this time. And then what happens? Law kills you every time. Because you go to a system trying to find life, and it was never meant to give you life, only death. Does that make sense? Good, because I was starting to doubt myself there in a second. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or us expecting law to aid us in growing in grace. Now, this is where I think I was at for quite a while, was... Or let me say this, law's greatest lesson to you came by making you hopeless and helpless. That's the greatest lesson law's ever going to teach you. The greatest thing law's ever going to do you is to bring you to a point where you say, I can't do it. And the Spirit of God says, finally, I've been waiting on you for quite a while. But weren't you impressed with all my religious dedication? Spirit said, no, I was not. Go over there and die and I'm going to give you new life. Through the years, it was presented to me that growth came as I tried to obey God's commands the very best that I can. I realized that this was an impossible task, but that did not stop me from trying because I was told God just wants your best effort, and God blesses effort. God just, you know, just give it your best. Nowhere in scriptures does the Bible says God blesses effort. Nowhere. Remember Cain and Abel? Right? Remember that? He brought him his best. Look at this squash. It's beautiful. You're going to love this. And God says it's not blood. I don't care if it was a blue ribbon winner. It don't matter. And then God backs up a plan. Oh, wait, it gets even better. Then God has a backup plan. And that is the Spirit of God will empower me to then keep God's commandments. Right. The Spirit's, that's his goal. The Spirit's goal is to drive me and to show me how I'm going to keep God's commandments even better. Now, li listen, if you wonder why I'm off, look, this is why. I've, this is some of the stuff I've been taught. And some of you may have been taught some of this stuff. This is some of the stuff I gleaned back. But listen, that is not the case. The Holy Spirit is not here to aid you in trying to keep more of God's law. Although this sounds good, noble, and acceptable in most pulpits today is extremely flawed for the following reasons. 
Law would never accept do the best you can and could care less about your effort, but always has been all or nothing. Just recently, I heard a message where the, it, the, the topic came up of tithing. And it was presented that, well, you know, when I'm talking to people about tithing, then, you know, I know it's, it's, it's tough for new, new uh, you know, new couples really, you know, give 10%. So I just tell them, look, just do 1%, then kick it up, and then eventually do 2%, and then, you know, you'll get to 5%. Then eventually, you'll get to that magic 10% mark, and then God's going to open up the windows of heaven, and, the, you know, the, the great devourer is going to be stayed. You don't have to worry about him coming after you. But listen, although that sounds like, hey, that, that's, not a, that's not bad advice. That is terrible advice when it comes down to understanding the very nature of law. Law didn't have a clause on whether or not you could afford it or not. It's either you're doing it or you're not doing it. And the more you talk about it this way, the more you're like, man, let's go on to another topic. And we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. I'm getting you right there. You know what I mean? I'm going to get you on the verge of despair. And you're like, finally, got some good news coming here. Galatians 5.3, he says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So these poor souls that did go through a circumcision are saying, wait a minute, you mean there's more I've got to do now? He says, absolutely. Circumcision is just one part of it, brother. Here's a whole lot of stuff you got to do. James 2.10 says this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend it in one point is guilty of all. The very people that would warn of cheap grace, now don't miss this, are the ones that offer a steady diet of cheap law. Those, I'll say it again, because we're getting there. We're getting to some good stuff here. Those that would be the big voices about warning us about cheap grace are the ones taking law, trying to make it palatable for everybody to do in the name of trying to bring out some more morality because America just needs more morality. America needs a miraculous message. That's what America needs. Not just more morality. The process of thinking makes law, this process of thinking makes law the means in which I relate to God and God relates to me and, I, and it removes Christ from the position, you see. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The new covenant foundation was established, don't miss this, on the promises of God to himself and the obedience of Christ. Think about that. Who would love to testify today, this week, and give us your obedience resume this week and tell us how wonderful you, you hit the mark this week? Huh? Would that be enough to, for all of us to leave here encouraged? Not with me, it wouldn't. But I didn't come here with the motivation of my own obedience. I came here with the motivation of his obedience. 
It's his obedience I need to put my faith in. It's his obedience that I celebrate every Sunday. It's his, or, or every day for the matter of fact. It's his obedience. It's not about us trying to come up here and rededicate and obey. It's the fact that he has already obeyed. It's about his promises, not mine. That's new covenant. That's what it's about. Man, I got a little preachy there for a second, you know? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, turn to Hebrews 6. Or you don't have to turn there, but I'll read this two verses. God made some promises. Who did he make those promises to? Made them to himself. He says, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable or unthink, uh, unchanging things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled the refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That God made a promise to God. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Right underneath that, he talks about the anchor of the soul. And I preached on that before here, but I don't want to get into that. But it's really good. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's my Savior. It's about his obedience. It's about God's promises. If we could get to a place where we as a, as a, a country, the, the Christianity that we, so we call in our, in our country, if we could get to where we could celebrate his promises, his obedience, then that's the hope message that we need. If, we're fine, if, if, if we have a movement gravitating to, uh, to the God's law, how much would they gravitate to God's grace? Because that's a hope message. But, you know, there's two sides of that coin if you think about it. Because I find the, some of the... What, if, if law does its job, which brings hopelessness and helplessness and somebody's trying to find life from law, guess what will eventually happen? They'll get crushed under that weight, and they'll be a prime candidate for what? The gospel. Yes, it. It's almost like God knew what he was doing or something. You know what I mean? So lastly is this, and we'll look at Galatians, the two covenants. And uh, let's see here. I don't know if I want to read through. I'll read through it one more time. Here we go. For it is written that Abraham, starting in verse 22 had two sons, the one by a bond, uh, bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by the promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, the one generous to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, an answer to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. In verse 30, says, Nevertheless, what saith the Scriptures? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, 
For the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the what? Of the free. Now, as Paul was trying to make this case about law and its limitations in the life of the believer, he no doubt was received with opposition from those who were versed in the Old Testament. So the idea is this. Why would Paul go here to begin with? Because he was trying to point the fact out that freedom was always part of God's plan. It was never like, okay, well, we're going to have this gospel and then we're going to have this gospel. No, it was always the promise God made to Abraham to all nations. By the way, if you read in Romans chapter 9, the early church had a little bit of a problem with Gentiles. You know what I mean? They had an issue with Gentiles coming to church. Matter of fact, Paul, earlier in the chapter of Galatians, brought out the point that it was like the disciples says, okay, Paul, you go to the Gentiles. We're going to go after the Jews. You go ahead and go after the Gentiles. Paul referred to himself as the apostle to the what? The Gentiles. So it took, it took a, a, a merging there. So why is that? Well, if you were born a Jew and you've watched your family try to keep Jewish customs year after year after year after year, and you're always watching, you, and, and that religious devotion bought, uh, uh, basically sold you this idea that you're better than they are, which that's exactly what religion does. Matter of fact, there's two times in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the word religion is used. One is in James, and the other one is in Galatians, when Paul referred to himself as being engulfed in the Jewish religion. So, anyway, um, what was I talking about? That's right, Matthew, the book of Matthew. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, anyway, I, I did actually forget. The train derailed. No survivors. It's gone. Let me go back to my notes. Gentiles. Gentiles that's right. They had an issue. They had an issue with the Gentiles. And Paul was trying to get this straightened out, get them to understand, listen, you, you have, and once again, it's a theological stand that they did not understand that it was always the promise that God made to Abraham that all nations will be blessed. Yeah. Took some time. But anyway, Paul points out within the life of Abraham, we find a symbolic story, an allegory that reinforces the points he is trying to make about law. The old covenant was bondage through law. I think that's pretty clear to see, does, isn't it? The bondwoman, Hagar. Does anybody know the name of the son she had? Ishmael, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, he already knew that. So, but anyway, he didn't bring it out because it really is not important because the fact is he was bringing out the fact she was a bondwoman and law was bondage. By the way, the word religion really means to return to bondage. That's what, that's what it is. That's why you don't find Paul going around treating Christianity like a religion. You see, there's only one place where he talks about in, in the book of James or James talks about, about pure religion undefiled is visiting what? That's right. Isn't that pretty much everybody? You know what I mean? Orphans. We were all orphans at one time, weren't we? Fatherless. So, but anyway... The law was given on Mount Sinai and is the old covenant between man and God. Remember that? Moses came down. While he was up there getting the, the very commandments from God on Mount Sinai, he's working his way down with, you know, he's walking down. 
I mean, probably not this easy. He was on a freaking mountain for crying out loud. He was probably trying to carry and be careful. And he hears, uh, he hears music going on. He gets down there and he's like, what in the world is going on? And they were having themselves a huge party. And you can go to scripture and find out. You, you can see the description of this party. You see what I mean? He comes down, he's angry, throws down the commandments, tells them. And, and of course, they're scared to death. And he tells them the commandments, and there's a lot more to the story, but this is what they say. They say, we promise to do all that is written therein. We promise. Because the old covenant was about man's promises to God. That was the law covenant. Law was the means of relating to God at that time. There was no, there was no going to the, the holy place you know what I mean? Hey, you know, talking to the Levites, can I go in and talk to God real quick? They're like, absolutely not. <laughs> Are you sure? Is the big man, is he busy? Because i got to talk to him. No, it's not going to happen. That was never going to happen. There was a very stringent way that you were going to relate to God, and if you did not do it, the option was death. Matter of fact, the high priest, for example, if he didn't do what he was supposed to do, when he would go and sprinkle the blood of the innocent substitute over the holiest of holies, if he wasn't right or did all the things he was supposed to do, they had to tie a rope around his leg. So if he dropped dead, they had to drag his dead body out of there. Who was going to go in after him at that point? It was just let the bodies hit the floor if he didn't tie that regular. You know. We think about this, and I know it's kind of humorous, but the reality is... It was no joke at all. But the new covenant is freedom through Christ. Christ makes us free from law. Christ is the means of relating to God. He is the means. And we become tabernacles. That in itself is still to this day just boggles the mind. That that means that the presence of God is in me. The presence of God. That God's in me and in you right now. That's hard to comprehend. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus, had made me free from the law of sin and death. So let me kind of end with this analogy. When we read Romans 8, 2, we find that there's, we're operating under a different law now. The law of spirit of life in Christ makes me free. And what we're trying to do is break free from the, 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 the pull law has on us. And there's, there's a pull there on you. It's like gravity. You know, it's, it's constantly pulling on you all the time. And if I said, you know what, I don't believe in the law of gravity, forget that. Who believes that? As a matter of fact, I'm going to prove it to all of you right now. I'm going to climb up on the roof, very tip-top part, and I'm going to dive off this sucker head first, and I'm going to prove that there is no gravity. What's going to happen? Am I going to prove a point? Oh, Yes. Yes. I want to prove a point that the law of gravity is in full effect. But then, if I said, okay, you know what? 
I'm going to put a hand glider on. Now, I might have to find a taller spot to jump off of than the roof of this building. But then I jump off. And then I go, and now I'm soaring. Am I soaring because gravity ceases to exist? No. I'm soaring because I'm now operating under a greater law. The law of aerodynamics. You see, that's life in Christ. What the law makes extremely complicated and impossible, the life of Christ makes as easy as breathing. What you strive to do so hard under law, you can find as natural because it's a part of your identity now. Amen. The thing is, we, we have a hard time believing that. Why? Because we have to go back to the basics of, you know what? I'm righteous. I'm not under this system. And many of us, if you have a church background, that complicates it even more. Because then you've, you've had a steady diet of this hybrid gospel of, of, of grace for salvation and law for living. You see... You know what I mean? It's Jesus today. It's Moses today. You know what I mean? And it's a little bit of Moses, a little bit of Jesus. And, and that's why Paul says a little leaven, what? Where does he say that? Galatians. Was he talking about sin? No. What was he talking about? Law. Talking about law. And once again, I was like, what? That's what he was talking about this whole time? Man, I'm... Preaching to the kids and preaching to the teenagers. And yeah, it was good preaching, but it was terrible theology, you see. You can have one or the other. Good preaching, terrible theology. But anyway, that's it. That's all I have for you. I think that coupled well what Buddy was talking about last week. But And uh, you want to dismiss or, you know, let me pray. That is the best thing to do. We all understand that, dismissing after a prayer. Let's pray. Father... We thank you so much that we can come together as a body of believers and celebrate. After a message like that, there is an ultimate sigh of relief for some. For some of us, it is a bringing back a remembrance of a system that really hurt us. But Father, may we be able to grab a hold of the very truths that we are in this new covenant. And that the framework in which makes it is all your doing. Lord, you've made the promises. You've provided the obedience. You provided the sacrifice. Lord, we just have to believe. And even though that seems simple for many of us, it can be extremely difficult. And Father, I pray if there's anybody in here that has never come to that point where they have just went all in with Christ, that they are just trusting him in no other system. They've never come to that point where they just has finally just put that exclamation point when it comes to their eternal security. Lord, may today be that day. We'll have those up here at front, and they would love to be able to share with you if you do not already know what it means to enter this new covenant. Father, Lord, I pray that you will help us to take these truths and live from them. In Jesus' name, amen.